0: Hello friends, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Della Valle, AKA MDV, and I'm joined today on the show by none other than CrossFit OG and legendary games figurehead Adrian Bozman. Now, without exaggeration, Adrian, aka The Boz, is the most accomplished judge in CrossFit Games history. But in addition to his historic games contributions, Adrian is equally as influential on CrossFit's training team. He's been a lead member on that team since 2007, and Boz has shaped the way training culture has taken place within CrossFit for more than a decade. Now in today's show, Adrian reveals some new news about a role with CrossFit that's on the horizon. for him. He's also talking about the 2021 game season and beyond. So if you're an athlete, coach, or fan, this podcast will give you some inside information of what's coming next for CrossFit the competitive season. So grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two from the boss. Let's go. All right, Welcome back to the intro. My guest today is none other than Adrian Bosman. Adrian is an absolute legend in CrossFit. He's, a, he's an OG of the OGs going back to 2006-2007. He's the head judge of the CrossFit Games. has been working for the CrossFit training department for almost as long as he's been involved in CrossFit. Uh, an absolute amazing individual, and one of the nicest guys and most genuine guys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting, and he has some amazing tattoos. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Oh, thanks, man. That's uh, that's quite the intro. I I never know what to say when uh, you know he gets such
1: a a warm reception. So thanks, man. I'm I'm stoked to be here. That's uh, very kind words. So I appreciate it.
0: Well, I'm very excited to talk to you. You know, you and I got to know each other a little bit through some of the work that we did on CrossFit seminar staff together, and then just yep. generally, being in the industry together, and then also both having an affinity for traditional tattooing. Uh, we met at a couple of yeah, occasions and uh, I'm, I'm really excited. So Adrian, obviously 2020 was a wild year. <laughs> no one could have predicted what was going to happen, but you've got some really amazing stuff going on in your life right now. And I want to start the conversation off on a really high note. Tell us about the amazing yeah. stuff you got going on.
1: Well, man, I, uh, you know, it's funny, the whole pandemic thing, obviously, it's been a, a tough year for most people and myself included, um, you know, obviously, the the world was in a pretty weird state and uh, the state of CrossFit, like I've been so heavily involved in CrossFit that when that kind of whole thing was blowing up uh, in June of last year, and the change of ownership and all that, like it was, it was a tough time for sure. Um, but now that I'm on the other end of that, uh, there's some really cool stuff in my life that I'm very, very happy about and just grateful for. So, uh, yeah, my, my wife and I are, uh, you know, in the process of moving, we're going to be moving across the country, which is cool. Starting something a little bit, uh, new. Um, Mm. you know, we live, we live in California currently and neither of us is from here. We've been here almost 20 years and, uh, we're like, all right, it's time to do something different. So we've kind of felt the call to, to go somewhere else. And so that's in motion, which is really cool. And, uh, my position with CrossFit is changing a little bit. You know, I've, I've, um, I've been kind of a jack-of-all-trades with them for a long time, which mm-hmm. has been great. You know, throughout the course of a year, I'll have my hand in a lot of different projects and a lot of different things that I kind of get to, to help out with, which means it's never boring. <laughs> but sure. sometimes you feel stretched a little thin. And in the earlier days when it was, you know, it's very much kind of like a startup culture, I guess. Uh, you know, we had job descriptions were, were a little loose and <laughs> it was like, you know, you had... 50 people trying to do the job of 100, and you just kind of got in where you could fit in. And my role is kind of, I still have that kind of, uh, I don't know, strata, I guess. But now, um, as of this month, actually, uh, I'm starting to transition into a full-time games role, which is cool. Wow. So my, yeah, so I'll be helping Dave uh, directly with a lot of stuff. And um, my official title is a director of competition, so that'll be fun. I'll be uh, a lot more involved on that side of the house. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause with anything new like that, you have to let go of some of the old. And mm. so, you know, stepping away from the training department that has been my, my sole home for uh, so long. And so many of those people I've worked with forever
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's, it'll be tough to step away from that team, but it's pretty cool to, to have that opportunity to, you know, dive in with the games, and and obviously, it seems like uh, new ownership is really, really pro on expanding the games and, mm-hmm. and making them as, as cool as they can be. So, we'll see where it goes.
0: Well, very cool, and and you know, yeah. obviously, you did so much for so long on both ends of the equation. There, you know, being so deeply involved in the training team, and I want to talk about some of the history be- behind yeah. that, but also, you are an integral part and have been an integral part of every. CrossFit sanctioned competition that's gone down for the last gosh knows how many years. And I'm excited for you in this new role to really be able to dive in and and kind of focus on that aspect of what you do. What's this director of competition going to be doing? What is, what does the role entail?
1: Well, so a lot of it is really expanding on the season. I mean, I I think everybody's aware at this point that, you know, the season is going to be pretty robust. Um, We've got the open coming up, obviously. And then there's going to be the events that kind of follow the open there. So the quarterfinals for the individuals that's new this year, uh, you know, the age group online qualifier that we've done in the past is, is coming back again. Um, that hasn't changed. Uh, you know, we're opening up a couple of new divisions for adaptive athletes and stuff like that. Wow. Um, there's going to be the semifinals after that, uh, the last chance qualifier, and then the finals. So we've got a way more robust season comparatively, you know, like I think, probably 2018 was the last time that CrossFit hosted this many events and and was responsible for this many. And then we kind of took a downturn 2019 and 2020 and started outsourcing some of those. And and anyway, long story short, you know, we're going to be back putting out a lot of these events. And uh, with that expansion, it's going to take, you know, more people to produce all the assets that go into that, to program the events and you know, help Dave program the events, and uh, so I'm, my role is going to encapsulate all of that. So right now, my my main role is focusing on the Open. Uh, we're we're getting a lot of that squared away, and we're going to be doing all the uh, filming and uh, kind of capturing that we need next week for the Open. So we're going to be ahead of that. It's nice to have it set, and then really, it's just that's the first domino in this whole season mm. that we'll be uh, you know developing and building out. So I'm I'm pumped.
0: Well, very cool. Yeah. It sounds like a a much more robust season again. And, you know, we had the contraction and like you said, 2018, where the sanctionals uh, gained a lot of steam. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been around this space for a while and, you know, the, the, the bigger events of CrossFit, you know, when you go back to sectionals and then regionals and then to the, to the games, they always were really, really special, especially, you know, with the, that regional type of feel and, and having the, um, the community all, all come together. And, and I don't think you necessarily got that out of the hats off to the people that ran the sanctionals, but it missed a little bit of the mark in regard to that, like really core community feel of this is the Northeast regional and X, Y, or Z, wherever you were. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, it's, I, I don't have a ton of insight into
1: that end of the house. Cause I guess I miss some of that being so close to it. You know what I mean? Like when, when we did regionals and you're on the competition floor and you're like in the moment, it's like, yeah, you, you see the same familiar faces and it's, you can feel that kind of community involvement for sure. But uh, as far as like a comparative thing, it's, it's hard for me to see that versus, you know, an outside event. Um, mm. And, and like you said, I mean, hats off, man. A, a, those events are great. Like there was some really, really high quality stuff and there will continue to be, you know, I think those same Long-standing competitions are still going to be uh, in the mix, and for sure, I think there's, I think there's going to be opportunity for a lot of cross-pollination there, which I think is great.
0: Yeah, yeah. and not to say that they were better or worse; it was just different. Right. You know, one yeah, of the things exactly. that was really beautiful about the the local regional competition was it brought everybody within your kind of little micro community. Like I grew I grew up in CrossFit in the tri-state area, so yeah. you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and when you would go to the Northeast Regional everybody would be there. And it was yeah. something that, you know, when you go to a big event, like whether it's or the granite games, you run into people here or there, but it's a much more open aperture of fans mm. and the competition and everything like that. So it felt a lot more kind of close and, uh, familiar in the regional setting. So, yeah, that's cool. I wanted to ask you about the judging. So, yeah, obviously, you know, as the CrossFit, uh, season opens back up now we're dealing with a lot more people who need to be kind of blessed as the judges here how (laughs) are you how are you going about ensuring consistency across those events and what what's the mindset there? that's a great question and that's something that you know i mean really it's been developing
1: pretty organically in my Mm -hmm. opinion you know like we obviously have the judges course and we have, uh, you know, recommendation that people are invested in things like their own education through the level one and, and actively coaching and stuff like that. Um, but at, to me, it's always kind of a question of like, you can't necessarily force competency. And I think that sometimes people come about this in a way where they think, okay, well, it's, it's on the centralized organization to create the, the best, judge possible and it's like okay yeah we can definitely supply people with educational materials and and honestly i think we can do a better job of that and and that's one thing i'd like to do as the season gets underway is you know offer continued training to people that that want it because i think they there is a lot of people that that like that sort of thing and and do want more of it Mm. Um, but at the end of the day i think it's like any other evolving system the iterative process that happens year after year after year is, is probably more powerful than anything we're going to put out from the top. And so what I mean by that is if you go back to 2008, 2009, and you look at you know the people that were turning up to judge and you compare them to somebody who's on the field in 2020, you're going to see a pretty marked difference in their level of skill and what they're picking up and the consistency across the field. For no other reason than the sport has had time to mature and people have a better understanding of what's accepted and what's not. Um, And so if you were to time travel back into 2009, plant yourself there and say, hey, I've got all these great educational tools. Here they are and put them on people. Yes, they would make a difference and it would certainly push the needle forward a little bit. But would that just automatically teleport you to 2020 aptitude? I don't think that's the case. I think Mm. things have to evolve and, and play out naturally. So It's a long-winded way of saying um, every year I see people getting better and more consistent just by showing up year after year, just by having another year of coaching under their belt, just by having another couple of events that they've attended. Um, I think think that's honestly the most powerful thing is to create this culture of, okay, this is the sport and this is what's acceptable and this is what's not. Mm. And a part of that is, you know, supporting people where they need it. Like I said, I think we can do more in that regard, but doing the thing and having it be out there, I think is, is super powerful. Um, and I think people miss that sometimes. And, and, you know, it's funny, like speaking broadly and uh, feel free to jump in because I ramble. But, you know, speaking broadly about the sport, I think people forget sometimes how young it still is. You know, they, really like up. anytime, uh, this always cracks me up, like anytime we change something, you know people will love the change or they'll hate the change or they'll land somewhere in the middle and that's fine you know great have your opinion but what what strikes me as funny is just how strong your reactions can be as if it's like this entrenched thing that's decades long and has this huge you know like history behind it you're like dude we, we did that for two years <laughs> and then we did something different so i think the same thing kind of applies in this um yeah it's a huge priority to make sure that competitions are fair and that the judges are, are competent and, and all of that. Um, But it's not something that you can just wave a wand and be like, yep, it's fixed. That's uh, that's not the way that anything works. And I think people forget that that process
0: takes time to unfold. For sure. No, I agree that the, the iterative process is definitely much more powerful than any one formal mechanism that you could put in place. It's the accumulation of all that stuff, plus the formal processes that eventually get layered on top that really will lead to yes. the, the system that is as tight as it can be. Change has always been a really yeah. weird thing in, in the CrossFit community. And you know, I, I kind of think of it as people being so passionate about what sure. this is and feeling that like kind of level of ownership, whether that's true or not over yep. the endeavor that the change often gets received with extreme passion, whether it's the yep. hyper for it or hyper against it. But yeah. Oh man. And, and I think that's such a great way to put it. That is like the perfect
1: framing in my opinion. Like you nailed it. That's yeah. People are passionate and that's great. That's exactly what you want. If people didn't care, You'd, you'd have to ask yourself, is this thing that we're doing really all that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I mean, you, you nailed it. Uh, yeah.
0: Not always easy to deal with because sometimes sure. the, the opinions are tough, but I think the passion in the, in the long run is a really good thing. One thing I wanted to ask you about judging, do you see it eventually being more of a formal role for people? Like we just talked about how the iterative process yeah. is going to be where you're going, but, at one point, do you see it being like NFL referees, where hey, we have an in-season crew who yeah. this is what they do; they get paid for this, and then out of season, they have their real lives. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that expanding to something like that would be awesome. I would, I would love to be able to be a part of you know creating an opportunity like that for people, and certainly, you know, again, if we go back to 2018 as, as again kind of like the proto model for our most robust seasonal offering Mm -hmm. to date you know you look at the open event obviously people are judging in those and then many of the people that take that as a serious role help us with the video review process behind the scenes and then a lot of those same people are showing up to regionals and then a lot of those same people are going from regionals to the games to judge you know in a capacity like for the team events or the master's events etc and so in a way you do have a, a crew of really, really dedicated people that are already creating that season for themselves. Um, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many people I would see year after year after year at yeah. the regionals. And some of them would even do a circuit. They'd, they'd travel around to regionals that they could get to. They'd be there week after week. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's already people that have basically done exactly what you said, just without the monetary compensation. And so if we can get to a place where that sort of thing would be possible, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be all for it. I, that'd be, that'd
0: be great. Very cool. Yeah. I know that yeah. that's, that's something that comes up often when I'm talking to people about the events and the standards and, you know, how are these people who are on the floor qualified and yeah. this discussion gets sparked up a lot. One, another thing I want to ask you in regard to, to competition, I don't want to spend the whole conversation. Here no, no. It. Yeah. You know, obviously sports are evolving and technologies evolving. And do yeah. you see things like replay coming into the equation in a more formal way in CrossFit competition? That's a
1: great question. That's something we've, that's a conversation that's been
0: going on for a long time.
1: And, uh, you know, that's another kind of big topic that we, and certainly me personally want to try to do, uh, moving forward is, you know, we started, um, meeting with the athlete council, the PFAA athlete council, and then our own internal athlete advisory council that we put together just this last year. And just listening to those guys and hearing what they had to say, it was was so interesting because a lot of times they would raise an issue and you'd be hearing them out and you're like, oh, you know what? This is actually something that we address internally, but nobody knows about it. And so you have the perception of what's happening on the athletic front. You have the reality of what's happening behind the scenes that nobody actually witnesses. And because there's that wall in the middle, the athlete sometimes doesn't feel like, they have the ability to trust the organization, or that you know, they, they, they some other thought can creep in that maybe there's something happening that shouldn't be, or whatever. And so, if we can be more transparent about like, hey, we have a lot of these systems already in place, we've had these types of conversations for years, I think we can really establish, uh, you know, a higher level of trust between the athletes and the, and the competition, which is great, you know, like at the end of the day, I think people forget that everybody wants this thing to be good. You know, like, like us organizing it, we want it to be as good as it possibly can. I want the athletes to have the best experience they can have. I want the best athletes to be recognized for their performances. I want everybody to have a clean run. That's fair. When that happens, everybody wins. The athletes get to showcase what they've been training for. We have an event that looks great that people want to be at. I mean, like that's the ideal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so how do you, how do you, project that out um, and I think one of the things is like we need to be better about talking about the things that we've already put in place and that can we want to continue to do yeah so get it, getting back to replay we, we talk about this a lot and you know there are certain instances that we have used cameras obviously to resolve problems um, you know famously I think the Kara Webb uh, now Cara Saunders mm-hmm. uh, event uh, 2017 I think With where the there was that's right. Yeah, she, yep. There was a judging error right at the end there, and that allowed her uh, to beat out Tia, who was right next to her. And you know, we're like, oh man, we caught it right away. Like we had a, a sideline spotter, that their only job was to make sure the event was running with reps and mm-hmm. you know correct procedure. And they're immediately flagging me like, hey, that was a clear mistake. You know, okay, so we go back, we review it, and we assess the time that it would have taken her based on the pace that she was moving. Yeah, add that to her score adjust it, you know, and hats off to the team. We were able to do that so fast that the resolution was pretty smooth. Now, obviously it sucks that a mistake like that was made, but the fact that we could resolve it and move forward was, was awesome. And that wouldn't have been possible without a tool like replay where that gets tricky is that if you want to open the door to full replay indiscriminately, now you've got a situation where the athletes are incentivized for everything to be reviewed all the time. Because if you look at the sport of CrossFit um, and you compare it to something like weightlifting or powerlifting, I always think this is interesting. You know, you have a weightlifting competition where you're doing one lift. Mm-hmm. There's three judges. Those judges on that one lift don't always agree. That's what you know. You see it two whites and a red. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. one rep. You take a a CrossFit workout that's being done competitively and you might have hundreds of reps. And so if you think that there's going to be a 100% consensus between the judge and the athlete (laughs) across that event, I mean, you're approaching zero that you're going to agree on every single rep. And so if you open the door for like, oh yeah, we're going to replay everything. We'll totally, you know, just leave that door wide open what you've got now is a competition that you'll never know the results for, at least not in a way that you can actually have a competition that's exciting for both the athletes and the spectators. Right. Think about yeah. that. It's like every, everybody on the field is going to come off and say, I want my replay. You're like, okay, so now you're reviewing every workout times 10 for that heat times, however many heats you have, how long does that take? When do you ever get the results? How do you sort it? Of, I mean, it's just a huge, huge, Tidal wave of uh, of things, so I think yeah, use judiciously and and continuing to do that in instances where it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, opening opening the sorry, go ahead. No, no, keep going. Yeah, op- opening the door to do that where it's just yeah, re- replay is a big part of what we do. I I don't think we're going to get to that point, and I personally don't think that it's going to solve the problem that people think it would.
0: Mm. No, it's really interesting, and I appreciate you highlighting so much of that. And you know, I. I agree with you. I think replay without any sort of restrictions or controls is a completely slippery slope and would bog down the competition. And it's crazy. They already have to manage the amount of replay in baseball and, uh, you know, obviously football with the number of challenges, when you can challenge what you can challenge all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a big process. You know, one of the things that's really interesting about fitness competitions, um, and CrossFit in particular is like, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is kind of subjective. Like, you know, you have these range of motion standards and control standards and things like that. And there is some stuff that's really objective, like, Hey, did the ball hit the target or not? Right. But when you're talking about reps performed at speed, now you have this element of control and range of motion. And there's some comparative stuff in like the NFL where you're talking about, did the athlete have control of the ball before he went down to the ground? Right. And you have subjective interference there, but like that's one of the things that I'm always and I would never ever want to be a fucking judge on the floor at the crossing. <laughs> like you couldn't, I think, I think you'd be great, man. you be you <laughs> couldn't pay me enough, bro. Like the the amount of pressure that goes into judging has got to be insane. And then you're thinking, like, hey, all of these calls are my judgment on this movement. It's like it's all there. It's like, yeah, not always crystal
1: clear yeah no there's definitely like hats off to the guys that, that do it and love it and want to continue to improve on that because it is a hard position there's no question um and exactly like you said you do have to take ownership for both the good and the bad and nobody nobody's 100 percent um you know even the best a, a perfect example was uh, that that cara saunders that judge is a rock star i mean he is one of the best there is and I think it
0: was Greg Martino, if I'm not mistaken. Was uh, it, it was not Greg Martino. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave the, uh, the, oh, we're the leave names it, of the innocent out of it. But, uh, well, but it, first of all, Greg <laughs> Martino is a really good friend of mine, and he's an amazing judge. So
1: he is. Greg is yeah. the man. He's that guy's awesome. He uh, he actually I remember the one of the first times I met Greg. Um, man, this was like 2012 or 13, and uh, I forget where I met him. It might have been at, actually at a regional, and he was like, "Hey, I want to judge the games," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." in line you know <laughs> like there's lots of people that that wanted to do that and uh anyway I, I worked people. a couple of yeah i worked a couple of events with him and i was like well oh, this guy really should be judging the games he's the man he's great so
0: he's super dialed yeah. yeah one of those guys It's like when he's on task he's like laser focused. laser beam yep <clears throat> for sure very cool but tell us a little bit about like that that pressure on the floor especially during big events big events within events the finals what what's that feeling like that's got to be huge yeah it's i don't know man
1: i kind of feel like my uh perspective on that is tainted <laughs> not in a bad way but just if you think about it like i've been i've been in that position since 2008 and since we we're just like you know scrubbing around in the dirt And I love those competitions, you know, those, those kind of like down and like when we went back to the ranch this year, I was like, hell yes, I love it, you know, but when the sport was so young and it was, it wasn't really as much of a pressure cooker environment. I mean, obviously there's stuff on the line, obviously you want to do a good job, you know, obviously the the type of person that's involved in CrossFit, especially in the earlier days is like a pretty hard charger, you know? So, yeah, there's a certain like self-imposed pressure, but as the thing grows, it's like the boiled frog analogy. You know, if you were to take somebody green and just drop them into Madison Coliseum final event 2020, yeah, man, they're going to be like, holy crap, this is too much. But you take that same person and they've been doing open events at their gym, regional events, local competitions. Games, uh, you know, when they can get out there. And they do that year after year after year. It's like, yeah, you get acclimated to that sort of thing. And, and I think that probably holds true for most of the people that we have returning. Mm. Um, it's certainly true for me, you know, like I, if I were to remove myself from my experience, yeah, I think, I think you'd, you'd be feeling the weight of that. And it's not that I don't, but. I'm, I'm acclimated to it. You know, it's, yeah. it's been a, a process. So
0: yeah, there's definitely probably a, a certain level of earned confidence and, you know, you and the people that you have on your team on the floor at those big events, these are people who for the most part, if not all are CrossFit seminar staff members who have been in this space for a long sure. time, yeah. who go out and teach these movements, who watch movement with a really yep. fine and refined eye and it's not like they're like, Hey, this is just some guy off the street. Who's got a six pack abs and you know, we're going to have <laughs> yeah. this guy watch this. Moon. Pull him like, in. Yeah. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> yeah. It, these are the best uh, of the best. So, uh, right. I applaud you and right. those people on the floor. Yeah. Thanks. I, I just had
1: a thought there too, where it's like, Oh, now the thought's gone. Dang.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I, don't <laughs> I can't back. believe it just
1: came and went. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a funny thing, you know? Um, The whole, the whole judging thing, I think that sometimes it's coming back the, uh, again, getting back to the perception of like athlete versus organizational body. I think sometimes there can be this perception of like an us and them mentality. And Mm -hmm. I'm not about that at all. I don't feel bad at all. And I actively try to you know, get rid of that when I can. I mean, obviously there has to be a professional front and like, you know, yes, you gotta be as objective as you can and you're not playing favorites and all that. So that's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like my first principle for these competitions is I want them to be as good as they can. I want them to be as fair as they can and we will get it right. You know, that doesn't mean we're going to not make mistakes. Yeah. But when a mistake is made, we'll do everything we can to resolve it in a way that is fair, not only to the athlete, but to the field. And sometimes the athletes don't like the resolution. That's fine, but we're going to do everything we can to make it as fair as possible, regardless of whether it's a clean run or something happens that we have to deal with, you know? Yeah. So, well, it's all that to say, I guess, in my mind, that kind of takes the pressure off because it's like, not that you're allowing mistakes to happen, but it's like, hey, look, we are dedicated to getting it right, even if something doesn't go according to plan.
0: That's a cool commitment to have, and obviously, fairness yeah. is is absolutely essential. And it's an it's a really interesting dynamic because you know the athletes, for the most part, who are participating in these events are people who have personal relationships that are also kind of bleeding into professional relationships as athletes yep. with friends and everybody kind of still knows each other in yeah. this space. But now also the opposite dynamic of that is like the stakes are really fucking high. Like absolutely stakes are much higher yeah. than back in, you know, 2007, 2008, when Dave's eating, you know, the popcorn out of Gabe Subri's hands (laughs) is talking about dropping the barbell on the ground, you know, Dave still might do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably one of my favorite, favorite moments of all time when he's having that conversation about the allowing the barbell to bounce. And then he just starts eating the guy's popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I want to go back to around that time 2007 and, and, and talk about, cause I actually watched a yeah, video man. that I had never watched before of you. Oh boy. T- yeah. Talking to Totem budding at, uh, had to be one of the first gigs that you ever did. And. Oh were- yeah. I
1: remember this was at the old uh, Santa Cruz North. I can yeah. actually put, I, I can see it. We were outside at the back. It was like a big gray, like industrial building. Is that the video? Is that the one you're <laughs> I, thinking about? I think so. You, Maybe you not. were
0: 24 at the time. Okay. And, uh, it seemed like it was just like kind of the beginning. It was definitely the beginning. Yeah. You know, the trainers were wearing these like super neon yep. yellow shirts and tell us a little bit about how you got involved so early in CrossFit in such a big way.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, to, to put it like really simply, it was right place, right time, right attitude. And, uh, I think that that goes a long way in anything. Uh, I, it's, this is totally random. I just watched this documentary about the price is right <laughs> last night with my oh, wife. I love that. And, uh, they were talking about one of the producers on the show. He was like, he was there for 35 years or whatever. And they were like, well, how'd you get into it? And he's like, well, I just showed up as a stage hand. And, uh, you know, when I didn't have anything to do, I'd go like, talk to the camera guys and see if they needed help. And I'd talk to this guy you know, stage script guys and see if they needed help. And I ended up doing all these different things. And then before you know it, I was the guy that was pulling all those different things together. And I was like, holy crap, that's, that's what happened to me, <laughs> just in a different context. Um, but, you know, I started dabbling with CrossFit at the end of 2004 um, on my own. And by 2005, I was like- Early. early. And yeah, I, I consider early. myself like like second wave you know, but, <laughs> who was before but, you, like, <laughs> I mean, the OG, like Santa Cruz crew, you know, and, and Greg had obviously been doing this thing for a while before that. Um, but it just wasn't, you know, super public because the internet wasn't really a thing. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, I started getting into it and I lived in San Francisco at the time, mm-hmm. which was only an hour from Santa Cruz where the original gym was the only gym at that time, where I think there was like two or three other affiliates maybe, mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just go down there. I mean, I was like, Oh, these guys are awesome. It's an hour away. I will go train there. So I'd hop on my motorcycle and ride down. And, uh, you know, like I trained with, um, I met Annie Sakamoto and Eva T and, and uh, Nicole Carroll and Greg Amundsen and like the OG crew. Yeah. And I, I trained there very sporadically. Like I went down there, I don't know, maybe twice or whatever. And then, um, I was personal training at the time. I had a friend who also I met through the CrossFit message board. We, we were convinced we were the only two people in San Francisco that were doing it. And we might've been at the time, you know? Uh, and so we did our level one together in 2006. And then we ca- we caught wind that Kelly Starrett was doing CrossFit and had opened up a spot. We're like, holy crap, you know, this is, this is crazy. So we went up and met Kelly. And then I got involved with Kelly um, shortly thereafter, started working for him. Uh, and helping him expand, you know, he was still in uh, PT school at the time. So he had very limited time to dedicate to growing San Francisco CrossFit. So I hopped in and helped him and, and that was awesome. Um, And then let me think, so we're like, this is middle of 2006. And Kelly was working with them on their uh, expanding seminar team. And he put in the good word for me. And that was that. So, yeah, so I just kept showing up. I mean, it really was nothing more than like, I'm going to do this anyway. I don't care if I'm getting paid or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then the responsibility just kind of expanded out from that as I showed aptitude for it, I guess.
0: Um, yeah. One of the most beautiful things that you said in that that whole uh, history, and I thank you very much for going back through it is, you know, right place, right time, but pleasure. also right attitude. That that's something that always doesn't go into the right place, right time yeah. calculation for people. It, you know, especially. Well, let, let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is something that actually I've been working on,
1: on a personal level a lot mm-hmm. over the last year. Like I'm historically, I don't know if it's the Canadian in me or what, but uh, the Canadians <laughs> won't Canada. Be, be happy about that one. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I historically have been very bad about recognizing the things within myself that have actually contributed to the good things in my life. And so for a long time, when I would talk about my involvement in CrossFit in the early days, it was just right place, right time. And it's taken me a long time to be able to admit. that it's like, yeah, that's true. But there were lots of people in the right place at the right time. And they're not here anymore, or they mm-hmm. fell off, or they're, you know, decided to do something different, whatever. Why me? And, and it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I'm like, you know what, no, like there is, I brought a lot to the table and continue to do so. And it was that, in addition to being right place, right time, and open to, to the experience and all that, that is what really made the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, so pers- well, yeah. here's the shout out to personal recognition. It's taken me a long time to get there. So.
0: For sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And that, you know, you're, you're a very, very humble guy. And you know, there's a big, a huge gap between personal recognition and being boastful. And you are not in that right. realm whatsoever. You know, you're somebody who I've always give me to the years. end of the
1: season, Matt. Like, get
0: that big <laughs> yeah. head going. You know? This
1: new role, yeah, new
0: role, new title. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Gotta get Dave, to keep you in check. Um, Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're somebody who, man. I and I don't know. I, I probably never told this to you, but you, I've always looked up to you as you know somebody oh, who I wanted thanks, to emulate man. as a trainer, but also about how you made me feel when I was around you. And I, you and I don't have a extensive friendship, but like I've been around you yeah. enough to get a feeling from you that always, I walked away from nearly every interaction that I had with you feeling like a better person, just like you oh, made wow. my day a little bit better. And, uh, I want to thank well, you for a huge bringing that compliment, energy. man. Thank you. I mean, that's, yeah, it's true. Can I ask you about that attitude though? Because this is really interesting to me when you're doing that kind of self-reflection about what was the attitude that you had what came out the other end what was the attitude that you had mm-hmm. about being around this thing and these people and that you think has contributed to your success um i think
1: number 1 and this is going to sound kind of weird but bring the weird like news. you know the whole <laughs> the whole crossfit thing is about being adaptable and like expanding in areas that you're not comfortable in and and i mean frankly i feel like i embody that way beyond just that my my average fitness you know (laughs) my fitness level is like it's good but it's not like blowing people away but i've never shied away from like a new experience i've never shied away from like i don't know how to do this but you've tasked me with it i'm going to figure it out and i'm going to do it anyway I've never been somebody who's been like, well, that's not my job. I'm not going to do that. You know, no, none of that. It's, and so like, I really feel like that, that constantly varied attitude is something that I have for whatever reason, like naturally or otherwise gravitated towards in my life. And I I think that's huge. Like I'm not going to get too caught up in the way that things were done to, you know, limit what could be done. Um, And so I, yeah, I, I do think that a lot of that is, to attribute to, to some of that success, you know, if you
0: mm. want to call it success, um, I, does that answer your question? I, no, I th- I think struggling a little bit there. That's okay. I, sometimes it's hard to define what yeah. you're thinking about in the moment or how you're approaching a situation, and you know, well, I think adaptability is absolutely huge.
1: Yeah, and and think you know, giving it a little bit more pause there. I think also it's funny to go back and retroactively try to assess your mindset, like this post-hoc rationalization of like, well, where was I? And I think if I'm perfectly honest about it, like I'm never, I continue to be like, I'm not a real big goal setter. I don't believe in like writing out your whatever, whatever. That's great. If it works for other people, that's not who I am. I, I have freewheeled a lot of stuff in my life to very good effect <laughs> and I will probably continue to do so. And so if I'm perfectly honest about what my mindset was, I was like, I wasn't even thinking about it. It was Mm. just awesome. It was available to me. I could do it. You know what I mean? And that was reason enough. It wasn't like, Oh, well in two years, I hope to have a job with these guys. I mean, I didn't even know if a job existed with these guys. Yeah. Oh, I hope to be on seminar stuff. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know, but I was open to it once it developed into that. Yeah. But there was no, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to be.
0: None of that. Well, to me, what that sounds like is the perfect intersection of passion, presence, and positivity, you know, and that's something that I have not always been able to do. I've not always been able to muster that up. But, you know, when I am feeling confident in what I'm doing, and when I am feeling the best about the things that I'm getting after, those three things are in alignment. And, you know, I know a lot of people struggle, and I struggle with this sometimes too, is like, coaches in particular struggle with this is like, where does this all fucking lead? Yeah, why am I? Why am I waking up at X hour in the morning? (laughs) to Go make 30 or 40 bucks an hour. And sure, you know, do you have any insights about that about like, hey, if I'm really, if I really want to make this happen for me in a bigger way? What are the things that I need to be doing? And how should I be approaching the job?
1: Yeah. Um, this is going to contradict a little bit about what I just said about not setting goals and all that, but two things kind of immediately pop into my mind. I heard it recently. I'm trying to think about where I heard this. I was listening to some interview, so I can't give credit. I wish I could. Um, but basically it was, they were talking about like, you know, future stuff and like where you, where you see yourself, whatever. If that was the topic of the conversation and the mindset that this person put forth was what I try to do is think about my future self as my boss. And so if you think about coaching, a lot of it's really independent work. You know, you show up, you do the job on your own. There's not necessarily somebody there that's going to watch you and give you feedback and all that. Like you have to have a certain level of self-awareness to step aside and say what worked, what didn't how could I do this differently? How could I do this better? How can I be better for not only my clients, but for myself, all of that? Cause nobody's going to do it for you. And so when you're in that Love situation, that. you kind of, you kind of don't have a boss quote unquote. The, the recommendation that I heard that was really cool was think about your future self, like the ideal self, where are you? And put that guy or that girl as your boss. So when you get up in the morning, you think about future Matt, who's like rich and, You know, successful and living on a yacht or whatever, (laughs) whatever that future Matt is. You know, (laughs) maybe that's not. (laughs) You know what I mean? What would that dude, if he was your boss, Mm -hmm. what would he want you to do with your day? How would he want you to to coach your classes like that? And that's that's the guy you want to be. Mm -hmm. And then to piggyback on that, I think people need to recognize that they have way more power and control over what they are involved with and what they can create regardless of the container that they're in. So I'm in the container of I work for an affiliate or a gym and I just, I'm a floor coach. I just do the thing and I step away. Cool. You can accept that and just say, that's what I do. And that's how I make my money. And I don't really see a way forward. Cool. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, all right, I have X number of hours a week where I can do anything I want within this canvas of coaching class or whatever and knowing that, what would I do if I could do anything, map it out, be like, man, I really think we could do a program for XYZ. I really think that we could do, you know, implement this and it would be way better. And I almost guarantee you that if you are thinking with that level of ownership and you take those ideas to whoever is employing you and you're like, hey, man, I want to do this. Yeah, maybe they're not going to say yes all the time, but You think about it from the other end. You got somebody who's doing the business admin. They're keeping the lights on. They're staffing, whatever. They don't necessarily have time to think about the best way forward either. Mm. And so if they have somebody coming to them with these ideas that is motivated to do them, the chance that they're going to say yes to some of those at least is pretty good. Mm. You know, Um, you have that power. You got to take that ownership, in my opinion. Yeah, And if people push back on you, you're in a situation where they're like, it's totally, they cut you off and they're like, nope, we can't do it. I'm not really interested in anything you've got to say, blah, blah, blah. You know what? That's great information too, because maybe that's not the place you want to stick around long-term.
0: Yeah. I love what you just said there about this idea of, I'm going to call it being stuck. This idea of being stuck is a constraint that most people, if you're feeling that way, you're you're putting on yourself because in very few circumstances, obviously personal responsibilities, things that you have to do. You have a family, you got kids, you got a wife, you you have to respect those things unless you don't, but (laughs) you should, I'll go so far as to say you should, you should, (laughs) you should. (laughs) Yeah. But the constraints that people feel a lot of times about this is where I am and this is where I need to be or this is, what I know, and this is the only thing I know how to do, or I don't like the way that I'm feeling or looking or anything regards to that. Yeah, A lot of that stuff is within your control on how both you're going to look at it between the ears and then the actions that you're going to take to remedy some of that stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not to say it's going to be easy. I mean, just because you have control of something doesn't mean it's like, oh, well, that's great. Now I can just do it. No, of course not. But that's the first step in my opinion is like hey i have way more control over this outcome than than i maybe previously considered Mm. that's a huge step you know um yeah but and and then i think there's also got to be some recognition of process and monotony and like i think that there's so many trite Uh, sayings and statements out there especially around like personal development and like business development and all like I hate that stuff
0: well it's a business so
1: yeah absolutely and I just man I think that there's this dismissal of yeah sometimes it's going to suck and you're not going to want to do it and like this whole like oh you get a job you love you'll never work a day in your life bullshit you know I am one of the luckiest people in the world in terms of what I've been able to do professionally and like make a living and, you know, like continue to do it. And yeah, there's days that I get up and I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this. You know, that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's forever. That doesn't mean I need to base my next life decision around that. It just means like, yeah, Tuesday sucked big deal you know wednesday's a new day so <laughs> do you know what i mean Yeah. so i think sometimes you have to make that assessment as well like all right look yeah i'm not stoked to get up at 4:45 in the morning to go teach a 5:30 class okay fine is that just because you're tired and you didn't get enough sleep the last night or is this something that like legitimately you don't want to do anymore because there's a big difference sometimes process isn't fun deal with it you know <laughs> that's okay
0: <laughs> no i i agree it's not al- it's not always going to be smooth seas and you yeah. know the ability to take control of your circumstances is not always easy and that doesn't always mean that when you do start to take control of the things that might be hindering you or holding you back that it's always going to be fun it's not it's fucking right. it's, it yeah. can be really hard but <clears throat> there is a level of control there that can be had I want to Absolutely. ask you about, um, you obviously are, you know, an astounding trainer. You have an incredible wealth of knowledge. What are th- some of the things that you've done over your career as a coach to continue to refine those skills and gain that knowledge? Cause I know that a thing that comes up in a lot of conversations that I have with coaches is what can I do to get better? And if you were asked that question, uh, if I asked you that question, yeah. What's your Man,
1: I, <laughs> I don't mean to be dismissive, but I'm going to say professional lurk. That's what I do. That's what I feel like I do a lot. I'm a professional lurker. I mean, like I Sounds try creepy. to read. I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like 10% creepy. Um, I try to, number one, I'm just like interested in physical culture and always have been. So I like to read a lot about that and always have. So that's just a big leg up because naturally I'm like, oh, I'll pick up that book on weightlifting or I'll pick up this book on powerlifting that was read or that that was written in the seventies and let's see what they were doing back then. And, you know, like, I just love that stuff and it's fun to invest in. So I just the natural interest, it goes a long way. Um, But then like, I like, you know, social media is a great tool uh, in my opinion. And there's like lots of people that I don't necessarily follow or that I'm not really like maybe even necessarily a fan of, but I'm like, well, what are they doing? And then I look at that through the lens of like, what, what is, what is great about what they're doing and what makes it great. And then what are the things that I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'd do it that way Mm. and just do that all the time. And then the same thing with the people you're around, you know, obviously if you can surround yourself with people that are beyond your level currently, that's, that's a great way to learn anything. Cause you're always going to have to like step up a little bit to, to meet them, which is great. Um, <clears throat> but if you don't have that, I mean, I think you can recreate that through the internet. Um, you know, you can find people that you aspire to be more like, and then dig in with what they're doing and reach out to them and,
0: mm.
1: you know, lurk on them. If you, if you can't reach out to them and reach out to them, if you can reach out to them, most, most people are way more accessible than you think. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of like the funny myth of, crossfit getting bigger is you know there there tends to be this pedestalization of certain people within the community now and I'm like I don't get that maybe it's just because I've been around a long time but I'm like I don't get that at all like I will call you I don't care who you are you know what I mean I'm like oh yeah this is so-and-so they're supposed to be a big deal I'm like okay fine there's still just a person in this subculture of a subculture. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here, you know.
0: <laughs> That's an important reminder. It's a certainly yeah. important reminder. The the thing that you said there that struck me the most is this idea of not being so fundamental in, in your views on things and having an open mind about what you're consuming, you know, and obviously consuming it in a way that you're reading it and saying. Hey, I agree with this piece. I don't agree with this piece. Oh, I see what he's saying there, but I might not do that. This another thing that I kind of see that holds some coaches back is this idea that everything's got to be so fundamental. It, like if it's if it's not this, it's wrong. And that's something yeah. that's very confusing to me. And I don't know how that culture got started, but you know, I I am trying actively with actually the people that I talk to 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 say, "Hey, listen, like it's not always got to be this one thing. There's seven different yeah. ways to teach this. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I think you get
1: like fundamentalism and zealotry and in, in any mm-hmm. thing you know, like people get locked in, and and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's not. Um, I think a lot of times it's born out of a genuine place where people want to create a foundation to move forward, and that's great. That's positive. I think sometimes though, there, again, it becomes this kind of us versus them mentality of like, well, this is the way that it has to be taught because this is the way we do it. And this is how I identify as one of these people. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean the other way is bad or wrong. Uh, it just means it's not what you personally subscribe to. Uh, I, you know. And so I think uh, to, to kind of put that more in the realm of the objective, I think you have to have enough fundamental basic knowledge about how the body works So that you can start to discern, yeah, that makes sense because it's mechanically sound and it works with the way that the human animal is, you know, put together or it's not. Mm. And so I think that's a big part of it. And that can kind of help you weed out a lot of stuff that you're going to see. But at the end of the day, like what particular phrase gets layered on top of that fundamental mechanic does it really matter people mm. are going to respond in such a different way anyway what resonates with me isn't going to resonate with you necessarily um if that mechanic underlying is is good then the cue and the way that it's presented almost doesn't matter if that makes sense no
0: know. it does it, it, the and, and i i certainly agree with you there i think the the most important thing is having that base and important understanding of human mechanics, how, how things move, how things work, not only I guess, watching somebody, uh, uh, but uh,
1: your own movement. Yeah. I could take it one step further and just Please make do. that more broad about like, like what, what, what are you hoping to accomplish? And why are you doing what you're doing? Answer those questions first. And then everything else is going to follow. Right. So, okay. I see somebody and they're starting to incorporate something that I'm not like super fired up on. Hmm. Well, Why? well, what is it that I want to do? And, and why is it, you know, what, why am I doing what I'm doing? If I know the answer to that, then I can see right away. I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to do a bunch of uh, you know uh, I can't even think of an example right now, but um, I don't know, whatever, like, like, uh, like bodybuilding, like I'm not interested in bodybuilding for personal reasons, but I like, I don't care if somebody else chooses to pursue that. Great. You know? um why do I not want to pursue bodybuilding and, and that sort of style of training? Because I have such limited time to train and my goals are different than that. I want to be like able to just do anything I want physically and be generally well-prepared for that in the context of, I don't have a lot of time to train. And so anytime that I'm doing, you know, pump and iron style stuff takes away from the time that I can do the other pieces that are more important to me. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. It doesn't mean that that's a bad way to approach it. It just means that, Because I know what I'm about, it's not right for me right now. That's all, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I think people conflate those two things a lot, right? It's like, why am I doing what I'm doing, and then why should everybody else be doing what they're doing? And sometimes I think uh, (laughs) people want those to be the same thing, and it's like they don't have to be. Yeah, (laughs) no, you know,
0: that's an important reminder, and I think that that plays into you know obviously having an open mind and and you know understanding that people have different needs and desires for you know, their training and their movement. But, you know, one thing that you were saying there that also kind of struck a chord in me and about like, if you're a coach who's observing movement, what am I seeing that's going wrong? And then Mm -hmm. what do I want to do to correct that? Like that's essentially the, the same framework that you would use when you're watching an athlete move. And yeah, yeah. The, uh, the lever that you end up pulling to get that movement to correct is not always the same lever that you're going to pull for every single athlete. It's going to be very different. Absolutely.
1: And, and, you know, like coaching is a tricky thing and it's, it's an ongoing process. And I feel like, uh, I feel like there's this tendency to kind of take a reductionist mindset towards coaching in a lot of ways where people are like, well, if I just match up the problem with this phrase and I can just match these things down the list and I have that ready to go for every single situation I'm likely to encounter. I am a good coach. And it's like, what? what do you, what do you mean? That's not how it works at all. You know, otherwise somebody would just have done that. They would just have a manual where it's like, problem. Here's what you say, problem. Here's what you say. And everybody would just read that manual and it would work out great. Yeah. But we know that that's not the case. Um, coaching is more complex than that. People's level of dedication is going to waver. You know, their enthusiasm is going to waver what they care to get out of the program is going to be vastly different. You know, Mm. is somebody showing up to just blow off some steam at the end of the day and stay healthy? Or are they like really trying to make a run at being a, a, an athlete in, in a competitive sense in like the CrossFit world or otherwise Um, anywhere in between, like there's so many factors that that go into both what people are going to get and what they want to get Mm. that coaching has to be responsive to that individual, it, it cannot be any other way. Like it just, it will not work, you know? And that's the reason that it's still a thing. If it was any other way, like we'd all be out of a job. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if it was just as simple as like, oh, I just match these things up and that's it. Why would any of us have, uh, have
0: work, you know? No, it's a fair point. And you know, So I to embrace it. Yeah. I, I agree there. You know, the, the idea that this list, first of all, the list exists. There are lists out there like that, that you can go and look at. And, you know, when we're talking about these things and and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but the thing that I think Mm. about is like, I see the fault, what cue am I going to use? And having that list, you have to have a a command and a control and an understanding of those things. I think to do the job at a base level, that's like, that's like walking into the door. You have to understand what you're looking at and how do you want to correct it? the most basic level. But that doesn't mean that the list ends there. There's 15 fucking other ways that you can go about getting that fix. But there's also 50 other things on top of that, that you need to be thinking about, in my opinion, in order to maximize the experience for your athletes, not only from a safety and efficiency perspective, but also just what's the experience like when they take your class?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. uh, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's You know, that's so often missed, I think, by people where it's like, look, man, the worst program that people are like, let's say you have a program that is objectively terrible. It's got, you know, poor movement choice. It's not put together well. You know, it's just like it's kind of a mess. It's a big mess. Let's let's make it bad. Right. But people are fired up to be there and throw themselves into it you're going to have a great result. You know, like, I'm sorry, that's just, it's a, it's an unfortunate reality, but that is, it's true. You know, maybe not the best result, but they're going to make progress and they're going to be stoked for sure. You have the opposite of that where you have this amazing program and you can prove object if you could even let's just put that aside, but let's, <laughs> let's pretend for a second a that you have this like, yeah, it's like, objectively, this is the perfect program. I've written it out. It's so vetted. I have my big brain hat on and it's, it's just flawless. <laughs> Scientists calculate their instruments by it, you know? And, uh, okay, you map, you map that all out and you're stoked on it. And you, nobody wants to do it because your approach is so dry and it's so boring and it's so methodical and there's no room for anything on top of that. And people are like, God, I hate doing this. What do you think the result is going to be? <laughs> you know, it's going to be terrible. Be and gym. so, yeah, it's right. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to go out of business. So I think that there's... Um, to your point, yeah, there's a ton of nuance there. And, and yeah, I, I admit those lists do exist, certainly. I, I guess my point was that like those lists are not there as a stopping point to, to exactly what you said, you know, the, the nuance that you brought to that was, was right on the money. That's like day one stuff that you do so that you have enough preparation to be like, okay, this is, this is where I can start. Yeah. But if that's where you are living, I think you're missing a boat,
0: you know? Oh, I, I agree. I, you know, Adrian, to me that's like showing up and making sure you have your pants on. Like it's like that. Exactly. It's yeah. That basis yes. to me. It's like, would you show yeah. up to class to coach in your underwear? No, probably, probably not. Why? Yeah, probably not. Well, not.
1: in the COVID times, you never know. Right. <laughs> Very true.
0: Hey, I gotta, I gotta ask you, cause you kind of hinted at it. Is there, and I don't mean this to be leading, is there a perfect program out there?
1: No, I mean, perfect for who, for what, you know? I think that's the, I mean, that's the the, the classic economics question, right? Is compared to what, mm. perfect for what? Perfect for making me strong, perfect for making me fast, perfect for making me have great endurance, perfect for blending all of them together, perfect for a, a working mother, perfect for, uh, you know what I mean, like, mm. compared to what? Um, no i don't think so i think that it is uh no actually hold on let me i'll do a complete 180 yes there is a perfect program there's plenty of people that have found their quote perfect program meaning they can balance all the things that they want in their life and do the activity that like gets them moving forward perfect you know <laughs> does that mean it's flawless does that mean that it can't doesn't need to be improved on does that mean it's static Does that mean it'll apply to somebody else, even in a similar situation and be as good? No. (laughs) So if perfect is defined as here's a one size fits all thing that is going to work in all scenarios, no, of course not, you know. um, No, I don't believe it exists. Can you find something that is perfect for your scenario where you're fired up to do it, you're making progress and it fits into your life? Yes, of course. People do it every day, you know?
0: Yeah. very cool. Adrian. I've had a pleasure talking to you. We already went over on time. I can continue this. Conversation. Oh, we got to wrap it
1: up. Yeah,
0: for a few <laughs> more hours. Oh, you're a busy man. You got things to do. Um, I I did want to ask you one last question. Yeah, any, I'm all yours, man. Oh, you yeah. You? yeah. I would love to have you back on. Anything sure. that you can share from the open as a hint on what we're expecting, or even if it's just expect to hold on to your pants because it's going to be wild. Oh, it's going to be fun. We've got a couple of new things coming down the
1: pipe. Um, I mean, the things I can talk about that are really cool this year is like, obviously we have the regular open uh, and the scaled uh, recommendations that we put out in the scaled division. But this year we're adding the foundations division, which is really similar to if if anybody out there did the support your local box fundraiser earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. Um, the videos they, had for those really cool they had um actually sevon uh, his mom rosemary Matosian, was doing the work next to allison scuds which is really fun so similar kind of approach it's like hey we've got a we've got the rx we've got the scaled and then we've got the foundations which is even a step below so anybody can join in and then we also have a no equipment version of everything this Very year cool. too so if you find yourself in a scenario where like i can't get to the gym my gym's closed you know covid restrictions whatever Hey, we got an option for that. Also, everybody's got a leaderboard that they can compare themselves to people in the division that they've chosen, which is awesome. And that you know, that's nothing new, but it's just expanded for those new divisions. So that's what I kind of can talk about that's new. There'll be a couple of new things in the open itself, which Uh-oh. is going to be fun. Um, I, it's going to be great. I think, uh, I think people are going to love it. I particularly like the, uh, the first event, I think is awesome. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So oh, I can't cool. give away too much beyond that. And Ooh. it's like opening your, it's like opening your presents, uh, you know, before Christmas, everybody says they want to do it, but you don't actually want to do it. You want to be surprised, you know? Yeah. So
0: you want to know right before. Yeah. Well, adrian, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. If anybody out there wants to learn more about what, who you are, what you do, where can they find you?
1: Oh man. Um, probably best thing to do is just email me, adrian at very shoot cool. me an email i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm always happy to chat uh you know my don't always have the time to to do it as much as i'd like but um i will absolutely get it back to anybody who's uh wanting to chat so yeah well thank you very much boz it was a pleasure dude all mine thank you